Black Friday, Cyber Monday, like people are on the hunt for good deals. Like that is the time of year when you're looking to buy something in preparation for the holiday season. Like I'm often clicking through engaging ads that I see. And if the message or visuals are disconnected on the post-click experience, like I'm bouncing right away, unless it's something that I am genuinely really interested in, or I have some previous experience with that brand. So if your entire strategy on the prospecting side is to like peak interest and get those clicks, make sure you're thinking about how you continue that message um, and speak to the promo on the post-click. How did Canadian subscription brand Evive Nutrition take the States by storm? They used a test to understand consumers in the new market and deliver exactly what Americans want. Visit askatest.com and get insights from 110 million consumers in 49 countries. It's growth without guesswork. Hello and welcome to All Killer No Filler. I'm Eric Dick, and over the next few weeks, we're going to be coming at you with something a little bit different. As you may know, our partner company, Pilot House Digital, is an agency here in Victoria, British Columbia, and we're deep in Q4 preparations across every department in the company, from our Facebook and Instagram team to our Google team to our Amazon Creative, UGC Finance, and more. So this year, Kyle, uh, one of our co-founders, inspired each of the department heads to give us five critical moves to prepare for what's sure to be the biggest Q4 of all time. Now, in true all-killer style, we'll be mashing everyone's advice up into a super cut of value bombs, which we'll be releasing over the next few weeks. We just wanted to kick it off with a little discussion among our executive team here at Pilot House. So we've got Dave, we've got Kyle, we've got Dan, and we've got Andrew here. So I just wanted to throw it out to you, Kyle, to start off. What is your mindset going into this year's Q4? Drop the gloves and get shit done. Move forward and just blow it up. It's a, it's a natural time of the year. I think everyone's coming out of a bit of a, a hangover. So there was the COVID rush and everyone was really good at their jobs for a year and a half. And, uh, you know, we moved into the iOS apocalypse, which we successfully navigated 30, 40 companies through, at least on the Facebook side. So I'm just really excited to, to take in, you know, this time of the year, which historically is the biggest time of year for, for everyone. And that's been through recessions and through growth, growth times too. So I think it's just a time for the team to celebrate the, the previous six months hard work and cash in. What do you think is the biggest hurdle as a team like that we've had to overcome with some of the changes that came with iOS 14 in a way that put us in a good position to feel confident going into Q4? Because I imagine there's a lot of brands out there who have been kind of shaken by some of the changes that have happened in the customer acquisition front and maybe are feeling less courageous about spending deeply into Q4. Signal fidelity, right? Understanding your signals, obviously after iOS, everyone got, got hit by that. And now if you're a brand who has successfully restructured how you make decisions based on the, the signals you have available to you, you're positioned well for Q4. So that's where I think a lot of the confidence we have with a, a number of brands that we work with comes from knowing, you know, how are we going to make those scaling decisions? Because if you don't have that set up, you might feel a little bit worried iOS signals have been bad. So taking the data that Dave was talking about and leaning into it for future decision making. So like we just came out of a six month rut, but a lot of that was because we it was data signals that we lost. But now through tools, internal methods, efficiency measurement or whatever, we're able to actually predict out where it's going. So our confidence coming out of iOS apocalypse into Q4 is stronger and we've actually increased spend through it. I mean, I think that what it's forced everyone to do, but us specifically, is build in that true alignment, which didn't, you know, we, we thought existed before, but 
Um, it was relying on on-platform data for the most part uh, and not looking at sources of truth, which now we're way more aligned. Our account teams understand what alignment means uh, because they're going into the real business model of the client top to bottom and making sure that everything adds up. And so to Dave's point with the signals, they were always being used, but they weren't relied on as heavily because Facebook and these platforms made it so easy through their over-attribution to, to kind of justify any moves that we were making previously. So it's actually taken out a lot of that noise. You know, people look at the data loss as, you know, an, only a negative thing, but really it, it actually has helped us solidify our strategies that support growth in a much better way. It's a, it's a healthier way. So it's exciting to kind of lean into that for Q4. Yeah, and just to kind of pile on there, conversation I have all the time is, you know, even when all the attribution platforms were working perfectly, they weren't working perfectly, right? You drive 100 sales on Shopify and, you know, Facebook says 130 and Google says 130 and email says 140 and you didn't drive 200 sales, you drove 100 sales. So by sort of re identifying the source of truth, which is payment platforms that have actual purchase data, we are much more in line with what our clients want. And we're actually able to make more decisions based on driving their business forward versus decisions based on what we're getting from Facebook and Google and email attribution systems. I think that's a really good point because what, you know, we talk about data loss, but we were in a data surplus, uh, you know, standpoint when it comes to Facebook over attributing things as well. So so in the light of day, uh, we're, we're all just facing a, a bright new dawn, which I'm very excited about. Dave, can you just touch on the transition of our of our model, our partnership model to the efficiency? Yeah. So instead of basing our performance incentives on platform return on ad spend, we've now moved to Shopify efficiency. So total marketing cost across all platforms. So through this, it's also been a unification of channels, Facebook, Google, TikTok, et cetera, and email all now only drive, Dan, to your point, Shopify revenue. We then have to, as a bunch of uh, marketers and operators of uh, platforms, put our heads together to air out all the dirty laundry, right? Facebook, that's your one day, uh, one day view. Google, it's your branded search. Uh, email, it's your same day abandoned cart automation revenue. And when, when all those players come together and have a very constructive conversation and say, where are each platform adding value? Uh, and therefore, what share of the, of the pie should they get? Uh, we've been able to have that conversation internally and with our partners to ultimately come to a, a deep alignment of saying, hey, okay, now that we've got that squared away, let's get out there and get more sales. And it's forged in reality. It's not forged in over-calculation or, or anything. It's directly, you know, where the sales come from. You're not over-attributing. Do you get into things like fractional attribution? How do we handle assists in, in this environment? Yeah, so that's, that's the magic, right? The magic is when two platforms, two marketers can come to the same table and say, let's build a strategy that leverages each platform's capabilities. And, and we know that assists are a thing and they are you know, very important. So if you're going to, let's say, use Facebook's top of funnel, uh, leading into Google's shopping or branded search to actually connect those campaigns together so the value propositions are united, 
because we do a lot of testing on, on Facebook, and then we can connect the dots on Google. The team then shares the incentive from the brand, and they can just come to an agreement. We're, we're, we're big on meritocracy. We're big on autonomy. So those two marketers put their heads together and just say, you know what? I feel good about 60-40. How do you feel? I think that's fair. Done. Picture Pippin running down the court with the ball. Jordan streaking. Jordan takes flight. Pippin chucks it across the court. Jordan slams it. That's the only thing you got to do. You got to fucking win games, and we win games, and that's how we do it. I like it. I've recently started playing basketball with Kyle, and I understand his leadership style so much more now that I've played basketball with him. Q4, 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 Q4. Let's fucking go. Yeah, now we're talking. <laughs> Has every Q4 been the biggest Q4 so far? It, it, with the history of Pilot House? Is that true? In our history, I think so. If you look at like economy growth in the last 15 years also there, Eric, like, yeah. it's not just a Pilot House thing. Like The whole global economy, there's a shift online, but even just the access to cash and debt leveraging, et cetera, I think it's just going to keep getting bigger. Yeah, no, I think it's true. And I, I, I look at Steven Pinker's work where he just sort of shows uh, you know, the, the life gets better year after year for people. And I think we live in such a connected and online world where it's easy to get neurotic about things that are happening in the world. But I think it's a good, a fair point you bring up where, you know, things are getting better year over year, despite anxieties that may be out there. Things do just keep getting better overall, which is a great, great perspective to have going into Q4. What do you think, Dan? We're also seeing a, a massive shift from traditional brick and mortar retails to e-tail. You know, a lot of folks that have been in business for 50, 60 years are starting to dip their feet in it. And um, they're seeing success and they're looking to scale. So uh, also very exciting. Nice. I would have to think that one of the big wins this year for Pilot House was the team um, and that ability to put in a bunch of senior people into roles where they're leading departments. And I think it was evidenced even in this exercise where you asked, you know, the department heads to contribute their, you know, five top tips for Q4 prep that will be kind of unearthing in this podcast series. It was good to see everyone step up and take a lot of ownership. So I think that's probably something else for brands is just to really invest in hiring amazing people. And that's not news to anyone. Eric, thanks for that. I mean, a Andrew really is, you know, as, as ops on the traffic side, he's really, it's not just a, a now thing. I mean, I, Andrew, you can probably jump into this, but I mean, we've been prepping for Q4 for a while. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, what we have done is kind of formalized um, formalized our leadership style and, and kind of translated it through the different departments, uh, you know, the way that we were brought up, I guess, through affiliate marketing, through performance marketing, through getting scrappy. Uh, it's really kind of been carried on by the teams uh, and the department heads specifically uh, have kind of taken ownership of this um, and built their teams around that uh, to a large degree. So, you know, we'd like to take credit, but really it's uh, that entrepreneurial spirit that we hire for, that we built our culture around that has kind of supported this in every, every way possible. One other thing I wanted to quickly touch on, um, which is another conversation that I have all the time, is this loss of like connective data tissue in between click and purchase, right? Is pre-click pre and post-click. Um, what we are seeing is that there's a more important lean into heavy creative testing. Right, which is something that we talk about all the time. It's about iterative creative. It's about making sure that you're testing the right stuff and, and getting those messages through to your potential customers. 
the interesting thing is that there was a time on Facebook when a bunch of us were buying media on Facebook when none of this data was available in the first place. So we're just reverting to older school media buying techniques, which are very creative focused and very creative heavy. I mean, there's a little bit of rust on the on the pedals, but the bike still works. And uh, coming out of iOS apocalypse, I think we're we're highly geared towards creative anyway, and it's just leaning into that strength even further. Love to hear it. Fantastic, guys. Well, thanks for coming on uh, All Killer No Filler today. I look forward to hearing everyone's uh, little micro interviews here. We're going to be covering, as I said, the Facebook department, Facebook and Instagram. We've got tips from Amazon and Google, as well as uh, customer service, UGC, even some tips from our finance department about how to make sure that your finances are ship shape headed into Q4. Uh, Get your credit card limits open. Do it right now or you're going to lose. Your cupboards are overflowing with coffee, you ran out of toilet paper, your spouse is on you about two credit card charges this month. The truth is, subscriptions are great, until they're not. Reordering can be easy. Just visit getrepeat.io to find out how. So in the world of creative, what's going on to make sure that this is the biggest and best Q4 Black Friday Cyber Monday ever? Good question. Yeah, I think it comes down to planning. I mean, that, which is nothing new. Heading into Q4, I think understanding what your promo schedule is going to be in the the months coming, and then actually like reverse engineering that for your content strategy is really important. So, you know, you can do it as advanced or unadvanced as you want to do it, but um, you know, put a calendar in front of you, get a Google Sheet, whatever it may be, and plot out your entire promo schedule. And then for each of those promos, you know, think about what products um, need to be included. Um, and then once you can do that, think about what your actual strategy and strategy is going to be. And I think the the important thing this year, and probably isn't unique from years past, and, and I know we've said it before, is going to be diversity. Like every other Black Friday, Cyber Monday, and holiday season, you're going to be fighting with a bunch of other brands slinging really good deals, and you're going to have to find a way to stand out and break the scroll. So having a diverse library of content, I think this year more than ever is going to be really, really important. And when it comes to foundational categories within that diverse content, what are the main categories that you suggest people stock up on in terms of assets to build more polished creatives from? I think you, I mean, if you have the ability to, you want to cover the gamut. Um, If you're perhaps a more established brand or you have creative resources in-house, um, you, you want to make sure you've got some high quality product photography and videography. If you, if, if you, if you have those resources, but if you don't, um, and even if you do, you, you, you I, I think you want to prioritize scrappier, faster content, um, on like the back end within our campaigns, you're seeing performance start to skew more and more towards, um, scrappier content, certainly on Facebook and Instagram. So, you know, if you're things that feel less like ads. Yeah. I I think it's really important, um, to create content that provides value or is like genuinely entertaining. Um, so those first three seconds are so important. So UGC is like that bucket, right? That like scrappy short form video content, um, that is really important. So that's one. Um, and then think outside the box. We've seen really good success with, you know, if you want to string together a couple images or videos, things like carousels, Think about what, you know, for Instagram story sequence, think about how you can best utilize those three cards. So if you're putting together a promo schedule, 
you know, video as a whole gives you a lot more real estate to convey a story, but think about how you can utilize multiple images, multiple videos to like create some more value behind your promos. Now, every Q4 is our biggest Q4, uh, and this one should be no exception. I'm just wondering when it comes to creative, how much would you guess across our accounts we're reusing in terms of creative assets from previous years and maybe adding a new color palette or new new promo schedule? Like how much of the of the sort of core assets are being reused year over year? I mean, I honestly don't know. Probably depends on the the account. You know, if you have a product that remains unchanged year over year, you probably have a lot more flexibility with reusing content. So what I would definitely suggest, and I know we do this with all of our clients, is if you have the fortune of going back into your ad account and looking at historical data from, you know, previous holidays or promos, like try and tease out trends. What copy is cranking? What visuals are working? What formats seem to be working? And obviously recreate those styles. But if you have the ability, reuse those styles, 100%, like reuse those styles, especially if you have engagement on previous ads, like bring those back to life, test them. I, like I know even outside of promos like Black Friday, Cyber Monday, we've brought old ads back to life. Our buyers do it all the time and you see success, um, not all the time, but certainly sometimes with old ads. So it's an easy hack for sure. Yeah. One, one of the hacks we were mentioning on the UGC side of things is sort of having that motion when you come into frame, sliding into frame, jumping into frame, falling into frame. You brought another point up that seems to be working well within those first three seconds of those kinds of scrappier videos. Yeah, someone shared an ad not too long ago. It was a couple of weeks ago, I think. And it was, um, I forget what the, the copy was, but it was like, please, please, please stop using X. Um, and behind that copy, I think the copy was meant to be like an Instagram sticker over top of a video. So one, it felt like an organic story. And then behind it, I think someone was dropping like a product into a garbage bin or something. And they were actually playing it. I think they were playing it in reverse. So not only did you have a voiceover with a re repetition built into the copy. You also have an engaging visual. So it's like all about those weird hacks that you can use in those first three to five seconds that if someone's like scrolling through, that you're just going to grab them for the extra few seconds enough that you can intro solution, <laughs> intro so social proof, all of those other aspects of your content. So when you've got these, uh, pr when you're doing a heavy promotion around Black Friday, Cyber Monday with creative, and you're using these scrappier ads, are you still, are you delivering the promo message in each of those scrappier ads? Or are you retargeting with promo messages, uh, specifically with sort of static, higher polished images that really draw attention visually to the actual promotion you're doing? Yeah, I mean, I think the real answer is test both. But like, how we perceive our prospecting versus retargeting, you know, our ultimate motive for prospecting creative is grabbing people's attention, getting the click. And now obviously more important than ever, because we've lost some signals in the back end on the remarketing side. So if you can, if you can think of ways to hack your creative to optimize towards clicks, that is yeah, that's super important. And then on the remarketing side, that is like where I think you have a really big opportunity to build trust and credibility with your audience. So, kind of like if build more trust through visual that visual spectrum and provide more value in your content and try to like increase motivation decrease friction with each piece of content that you put in back in front of your audience and then just as a final point you know we always talk about iteration on this podcast what is that what does that technically mean, you know, in, in terms of the, just in terms of Black Friday, Cyber Monday, you know, like if you've got a very specific promotion that's got a time frame, like how should people be thinking about the numbers of iterations they need per like sales event, for instance? 
it all comes down to like, if I was to approach this with a buyer and like hook up with like, you know, one of our buyers on a bigger account, it would ultimately come down to what our budget is for spend. But yeah, for each promo, like I would think about creating like, like create however many high level buckets you can. So if like scrappy video is one, UGC is another, high polished content is another, identify what those buckets are and kind of like where it fits into your comfort zone as like a, spe a scrappy spectrum, right? From like 10 being the most beautiful ad you've ever seen all the way through to zero. Create those buckets and then ride that spectrum. So get scrappy, get polished for each of them. Um, and for us, that often like like equates to you know dozens of pieces of content, kind of ready to go in the hopper for these big Cyber Monday, you know Black Friday promos. And then you want to design your team around that as well. So like if it is the polish stuff or if if it is the UGC stuff think about building systems in place so if you see something working one day you're not waiting you know a week of development time to have something ready to go back into the ad account on the next day to optimize performance so i think it's like the creative itself is really important from an iterations perspective but also thinking about what your resources are and your team layout is whatever you want to call it to be able to to create the stuff to go and to iterate off of because if it if it takes too long then the iteration itself isn't important if it's a time sensitive promo and then the final thing too, uh, it was, so we've, we've talked all about getting that click and that's really what ads are about. It really is just about getting people to the page. Uh, and then also what, what do you have to say about getting people's back ends or their post-click experience dialed in for maximum Q4 benefit? Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know how many data to back this up, but I know just from my own experience, like come Black Friday, Cyber Monday, like uh, people are on the hunt for good deals. Like that is the time of year when you're looking to buy something in preparation for the holiday season. Like, so I'm often clicking through engaging ads that I see. And if the message or visuals are disconnected on the post-click experience, like I'm bouncing right away, unless it's something that I am genuinely really interested in, or I have some previous experience with that brand. So if your entire strategy on the prospecting side is to like peak interest um, and get those clicks, make sure you're thinking about how you continue that message um, and speak to the promo on the post click. So if it's a landing page, you know, lean into direct response, copy, visuals, whatever it may be, and make sure that offer is really, really clear and why it's important to the audience. And if you're sending people directly to your Shopify page, well, think about how you've laid out your homepage, your product page, whatever it may be. So it's very clear what kind of discount they can expect on the post-click side. Because I think if they're disconnected and the intent or interest isn't really high, you're going to, you people are just going to bounce. Like they're going to look for the next, the next thing in their feed that they really want or the next discount that is better than yours. So it needs to be strong. And that's done through site banners, through sticky banners, through things on the on the checkout page. It's whenever you can have the the discounts already applied. I imagine are are hugely beneficial as well. Yeah, yeah. All of those tactics, like I don't think there's anything. There's no silver bullet or anything new there. But what it comes down to is, like, if you're wireframing your page now for you know perhaps Black Friday, Cyber Monday, whatever promo, like do a little bit of user research. Like send it off to your friends. Like do it. Like get other eyeballs on it and say like. Hey, give them no context. If you hit this page, is it obvious what our promo is? Is it obvious to you what we're trying to do here? Like do a little bit of research and understand if it's a good or bad page. Like all of those little tactics aside, people need to understand what the offer is and why it's valuable to them. So research is always a healthy thing to do. 
Great advice, Cam. I was thinking of, I was thinking about some other things, two things that I anticipate to be trends heading into this holiday season. I know that you've talked about it in the newsy and on the pod previous is like strain on supply chain. Shipping times could be affected from like the creative side. I think making sure that your potential customers are aware that shipping delays could be a thing and just straight up addressing those considerations or those objections in your creative I think will help, especially if you have like a video where you can incorporate some of these things. So just getting ahead of that, I think is one, like almost like a FOMO, like <laughs> don't let shipping times, like, you know, be the thing that stops you from giving the gift to like the people that matter. And then the other one is you've seen it more and more and more in months past or during COVID, but the, uh, the buy now pay later, like blank now pay later is something that we are using a pretty across pretty much every client that is working with one of these companies. So, you know, like smile now, pay later, dump something now, pay later, like highlighting those services in your ads. Like if you're not doing it, do it. Cause I think that you'll see results right away. Great final tips to close things out. Thanks Cam. Yeah, you're welcome. So in the world of Facebook ads, what are you thinking about heading into Q for this year? There's a lot of things that are top of mind for me this year. Um, going into Q4, it's the time of the year where we want to apply everything we've learned, everything we've built so far towards uh, propelling and taking advantage of uh, the seasonal moments and the uh, the increase in intent we see while managing the external forces uh, that we often see as well. So in terms of um, some key kind of things top of mind for me on the Facebook side um, with the brands that I'm working with and across our, our department at Pilot House. Right now in October, we're really focused on increasing our prospecting budgets, um, really to build up our retargeting and email audiences uh, for the months to come as well. So um, a, a great opportunity is, uh, is testing, for example, landing pages with um, email flows to build your lists um, and try some different audiences within that testing. Uh, build that up in the background while you're also um, continuing to push with your prospecting uh, conversion campaigns too. What we're expecting to see, and we're already starting to see um, some inklings of this this coming, um, our ad costs will start increasing quite a bit more um, as we get closer to uh, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, and some of those peak uh, peak advertising moments. So in terms of that, we're preparing in advance, though they typically increase parallel with buyer intent uh, leading up to the middle of December um, before they nosedive again. And there's another whole new kind of opportunity to take advantage of towards the end of Q4 as well. I love that. So tactically, is that as simple as offering a discount for your you know big Black Friday, Cyber Monday sale like early in exchange for an email address? How are you actually getting those email addresses during this prospecting phase? Yeah, there's different ways of doing it. That type of angle is is probably where I would recommend starting with. Um, you know, it's a great chance for people to be the first to hear about uh, whatever deal you're you're offering via the email that you'll send. So, um, by by offering that incentive um, for those emails, you can successfully build that list up. Um, and then, uh, if you have any other um, additional kind of strategies or angles working right now as well, you can lean into those too um, when you're when you're running those ads as well. Nice. And then the other aspect I, I've heard in this vein is that we're actually, you know, when we have these Black Friday, Cyber Monday promotions set up, we're actually um, leveraging 
meta discounts or discounts on the front of those to say, hey, we're going to have this big sale, but because you're a VIP customer, you're actually going to get early bird access to it. Uh, and that way we're able to sort of test the promos ahead of time with your most loyal customers. Exactly. Yeah. We, we see a ton of success uh, having a really well flushed out um, offer calendar, but also um, preparing in advance uh, to, yeah, to basically have some data points on the, the style of offer that we're running in those peak moments. So this is a great way of, of testing that, um, but also uh, adding that extra value uh, to your existing customers or, or, um, or certain audiences that you deem a good fit for, for testing that on. Okay, so you mentioned uh, a content calendar, and this is obviously essential, uh, probably essential year-round, but definitely essential in Q4, where it's not just Black Friday, Cyber Monday you're, you're building towards, it's uh, it's all these other holidays in this time period. Can you speak a little bit about the, the content calendar? Yeah, so the content calendar for, for myself and the teams I work with is so crucial. What it means is that when we have that all laid out in front of us, uh, the buying side on the buying side and the creative uh, production side, we're crystal clear on how we want to organize everything, what we want to build in advance. And then that way there's no uh, unwelcome surprises around, um, you know, the opportunity cost or, or other things like that as well. So it gives us that chance to be really clear in advance um, and do that. And then also be flexible to pivot to um, when you see everything laid out, at least for me, um, it, it really helps me uh, look and say, Hey, maybe that offer, looking back at what we did in months past um, isn't fully aligned with the seasonal moment, or, or maybe we could tweak it this way, or maybe we want to have these backups in place that we can be ready with in advance as well and have some lightweight creative built out, or, you know, maybe we want to create more levers to, to pull on the Facebook side um, with, with potentially different offers we could try too. So there's a, there's a lot there. And then the other side of that too is um, there's there can it can be really advantageous as things start to heat up um, to look at timing out your offers even around some of those key dates too when you may not see the competition costs quite as high at, at key moments but the intent is still on that incline you can find that sweet spot you're looking for in terms of cost versus conversion rate average order value and uh, and and basically your your profit margin there. And then a theme we're seeing across all of the different traffic sources uh, and disciplines that we're talking about in this omni-channel Q4 prep list is this idea of orienting your ads and your targeting towards gifters. How, can you give an example or, or how do we go about doing that on Facebook ads? You know, at first place, a lot of people will probably think about are the, are the audiences and things like that too. But um, a lot of people are going to be buying gifts coming up. So um, when you think about it, a lot of it is uh, creating a, an, an offer or uh, the content as well as how we're approaching it heavily is uh, focusing on the the offer side that's really well tailored to gifting, but thinking about it at the different step of the funnel. You know, purchaser, existing customers or previous purchasers are going to have a totally different brand experience than someone brand new to your funnel. So you're going to want that messaging to be different. Um, and then uh, on top of that too, um, you really want to make it make it easy for people to understand why it is such an amazing gift. So that comes into that messaging side and how that offer is structured as well. So we're looking at different opportunities, um, like what are top selling products? Uh, what What's typically a second product purchase after a first product purchase that uh, supports that lifetime value? Maybe we look at bundling those together um, and then offering a deal based on that. So we're looking at a lot of different opportunities in that that light as well. Um, and then we're getting in early on, on testing it um, carefully to begin, knowing that that gifting intent will likely ramp up as the, the quarter goes on. 
but just getting getting a sense of what those strongest offers could look like so that we're ready to to push harder when the opportunity really shows itself um which i depending on on different patterns too sometimes we do see traffic costs rise quite a bit in that home stretch coming out of black friday as well into early december when the gifting season really heats up and we're getting close to shipping deadlines and things like that so it's it's really good to have that flushed out and be ready to take advantage of that and retargeting in particular come december as well the other uh, thing that, that this makes me think of was a quote that I had from a friend of mine, Eric Taz, who runs Shine On, which is a jewelry, a print-on-demand jewelry company. And his rule of thumb for all of their sellers is if you can make a customer cry, they're going to buy. And so sentimentality, and I think especially this year when families are coming together, they may not have been you know, as much togetherness. Uh, I feel like this is a big year for, for sentimentality as well uh, in your ads and in your angles. Would you agree? I would agree a hundred percent. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a huge reason too, why we're looking at gifting more than previous years as well. Uh, more people being around together and that just being such an integral part of spending the holidays together. So, um, yeah, I would agree. Nice. And then from a, just a technical standpoint, we're just a day removed here from the, the day the lights went out on Facebook ads. Uh, and I'm wondering, are we seeing any, how has the uh, performance and, uh, you know, how did that downtime affect campaigns? Yeah, it's pretty interesting. So, you know, the biggest fear we had during that day, uh, which which was a scary day, it's, it's actually pretty funny. I was getting text messages from loved ones trying to trying to make sure I was okay, knowing knowing that that was down and knowing the nature of the work that I do. Um, but yeah, when we were watching uh, during that day, we the first thought was, uh-oh, are all of our budgets now going to try to spend all, all our campaigns are going to try to spend their daily budgets in full when we noticed they weren't spending during the outage or when we when everything came back on and we saw they hadn't spent immediately. Um, we were like, OK, we've got to be ready to potentially slow that down because the accelerated spend through the end of the day may or may not be a good thing, depending on the scenario. So we were watching things like a hawk. Um, it did spend a little bit faster, but um, in, in most cases, um, as expected. So we were watching that and we were careful there. I would say in terms of the fallout, um, we're definitely seeing some less stability probably across the board as a generalized statement, um, diff different depending on the brand, um, which is kind of what we expect from seeing these types of instances in the past when a major pause like that happens and then uh, kind of opens the floodgates, so to speak, on traffic again. And we're seeing some potential re reallocation of, of those that ad placement. So um, we're we've seen some a little bit less stability, but we'd expect that probably to, to settle back in pretty quick here. Always nice to have a fire drill before the main event, which it, it, it seems like this was the main event being Q4. And uh, and as we say, the biggest Q4 uh, in history, as every Q4 has been before. So thank you so much for uh, these Facebook tips. I, I hope some users out there take advantage of them. Amazing. Thanks so much for having me, Eric. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can do that right now at directtoconsumeralloneword.co. I'm Eric Dick, and this has been the D2C Podcast. We'll see you next time.